Good morning. Dumelan. So normally we would read the scroll together. Uh, but I'll quickly read it through so uh, for the sake of time. So I really felt that in this, uh, the time we had in worship this morning, God really laid the heaviness of this passage and this message uh, on me. But thankfully, even though I'm the one that's speaking the message the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to be placing it inside your hearts so we're in Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse 17 to the end of chapter 2 so I'm reading from the ESV It might be be a little bit different for you. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So God's people have been on quite a journey over the past couple of thousand years. We start off in the Old Testament with God's chosen people, Israel. And in these days, only the people of Israel and those in that bloodline Plus a few select others were chosen by God. But as time goes on, we read prophecies of a coming Messiah. One that will fulfill the law. And be a perfect sacrifice for the sin of his people. And the Jews always had a thought in their mind. That the Messiah would be one who would come and destroy the Roman Empire. And make God's people rulers of the world. But Jesus did not come like that. Jesus came to fulfill the law and prophets. And preach the gospel of his coming kingdom. And to reconcile those outside of the people of Israel to God. Through his death and resurrection. 
So as we heard last week with Topsy, those who are far off uh, from God, the Gentiles, can now be brought into the family of God. Not by their blood, but by the blood of Christ. And the Jews did not like this at first. And this is why Paul has to speak into this issue in the Ephesian church. We saw in chapter 1 that God had master planned the body of Christ before the world began. We saw in the first 10 verses of chapter 2 that God brings people into his body through salvation. And then we begin in verse 11 to see that once we're in the body, we're one with each other. And this is the great, and this great concept of unity is being taught here. We are one in Christ. So we first read in this verse that Je- uh, passage that Jesus came to preach peace. And this wasn't just peace between Jew and Gentile. This was the gospel of peace. For those who give their lives to Jesus, they get peace with God. They are no longer at war with God. And due to receive God's wrath. But are clothed in the righteousness of his son. Who took that wrath for us. Paul speaks of unity. Unity in our world is a real problem. And that's because of sin. There are wars and conflicts. Sickness and disease. But who should we be striving for unity with? Who are we fellow citizens with? And by unity, I mean we share a pursuit of unity in the truth. The truth that the Holy Spirit illuminates through Scripture. Topsy spoke to us last week on how Jesus has broken the wall of hostility. Between Jew and Gentile Christians. But to know who we are one with we have to know who we're not joined with. We are all Gentiles in this room, I think. None of us are Jewish here. So, how do we apply this in our context? I think it's easier to think about those who we don't have unity with. Those who are not Christians are the first. Those who believe that Jesus was not God. 
Those who separate Jesus as God from Jesus as man. Those who believe that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. We are unable to have unity or support those whose core beliefs about Christ do not line up with the Bible. And what we need to do and what Paul is doing in his letters is loving, correcting and evangelizing to these people in the, in the hope that they come to a biblical understanding of Jesus or that they will come to know him and be saved by him. Paul talks about those who are far and those who are near. The same gospel is preached to those who are far off from God as well as those who are close to him. One of my favorite quotes is that you never graduate from the gospel. The gospel is for both the unsaved and the mature Christian. Regardless of who we are or what we've done, from the drug addict to the murderer, rich and poor, we all come to faith by the same gospel the gospel does not change from Africa to America to Timbuktu sinners only get saved by the faithful preaching of the true biblical gospel Paul says we both have access to God in one spirit. Paul is talking about both Jew and Gentile. No matter where you come from, those in Christ all enjoy the same access to God. Access that comes by one spirit. The Holy Spirit. To God the Father. Not only are we saved by the same gospel. But we also have the same walk and the same access to him. One group does not have greater access than the other. And this access to God is primarily through his word. There are no second class citizens in the kingdom. Those who are in Christ are full and equal members of God's household. By one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Any other spirit is not of God. 
And because we are one body, we should all be built on one foundation. And Paul says to us that foundation is the apostle and prophets. And that's laid in the New Testament. We must stay true to the word of God. Paul says next, Jesus is the cornerstone. A cornerstone is traditionally the first stone laid for a structure. With all other stones laid in reference. A cornerstone marks the location of a building. And orients that building in a specific direction. And it determines the position of the entire structure. Right. The cornerstone helps the building not to fall apart. So, um, Kikai, could I have the first picture, please? I'm not normally a picture preacher, but um, these pictures are cool. So, in the UK over the past couple of days, there's been a terrible storm. It's called Storm Eunice. And, and the winds have been up to 150 kilometers an hour. So this is maybe um, three or four k's from where me and Becca live in England. If I could have the next one, please, Claire. And that's a, a bus. Has been again only a few k's from where we live. And, and a tree fell on both of these uh, vehicles. And many modern buildings have been damaged and not weathered the storm. So if you've got the other one there. Um, but many, if not all, of the ancient buildings have stood. What does that tell us about foundations? In our teaching, if our teachers and churches are not built on Jesus as the foundation, our church will not stand storms. So this is a building in London. A very modern one. Um, and the storm has torn it apart. But as I say, many of the ancient buildings, if not all of them, have stayed, stood firm. So if our church is not built on Jesus as the foundation, 
we won't weather the storm. We won't weather the persecution. Instead, we will be blown along with the world or the latest teaching that is not rooted in the cornerstone. When we are joined with Jesus and he is our foundation, we will experience growth. And not just in numbers, but in spiritual maturity. In addition to the reading of the word and prayer, the main way we grow in spiritual maturity is being built in and part of a healthy body of Christ. The church. Paul says, in whom the whole structure. This tells us the church is a little bit like a building. Perfectly designed by the great architect, the Holy Spirit. It's not a random pile of stones. God arranges the church for his own glory and purposes. And we've heard recently from Steve that God is not afraid of rubble. And that's what most buildings start off as. At least in ancient times. Random misshapen stones that are used and built into something holy. Set apart and eventually perfect for Christ's return. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, it says, Living stones built together, firmly fitted in exact perfection, to be the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. We are being built into a holy temple for the Lord. Through Jesus, we are built, being built into a dwelling place for God. We saw that just this morning. We know that those who believe are already a temple of the Holy Spirit themselves. He lives within us. But as we come together as the body of Christ, we become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit to do his work among us. And as a church, we allow room for that. We see that just this morning. We allow room for God to speak to us, uh, to speak to us through prophecy and words of encouragement and spiritual songs. And as we do this along with the preaching of the word, God is continuing to add living stones to his church. 
And the church is something to give glory to God for. The church is solid since Jesus Christ is its foundation. There is nothing more beautiful. Because it's adorned with building stones of every age. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. From the highest kings to the lowest peasants. With the most brilliant scientists and the simplest of believers. So I've got a, a question for you as I close. Are you one with Christ? Our unity with God, with God was purchased for a high price. I told the story earlier of the people of Israel waiting for the Messiah to come. We don't have to wait for the Messiah. He has come to earth. Lived a perfect life. Died on the cross. Rose again. And he's now ascended to the right hand of the Father in glory. I expected an amen. <laughs> Romans 5 8 says, But God shows his love for us. That in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Without Jesus, we are dead in our sin. Unable to be restored to God through our own works. Without Jesus, we are due to receive the wrath of God and eternal punishment for our sin. But for those who would believe in him, Jesus took that punishment and wrath. And Jesus on the cross not only suffered the physical pain of crucifixion, but the spiritual and eternal wrath of all those who would believe in him. We should trust in Jesus and the perfect work of the cross. When we do that, his righteousness, his perfection is given to us. So that we no longer have to endure the wrath of God. But our sin is forgiven. And we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. Spending eternity with Him. Could everyone close their eyes for me, please? If today you are not one with Christ, but through today, through our worship, through the word, the Holy Spirit has made you aware of your sin. That you need a savior. I'd like you to 
raise your hand. No one will see you except me and Petrus. And it's important to know it's not the raising of your hand. Or the coming to the front that saves you. But it's what the Holy Spirit has done in your heart. The Holy Spirit changes your heart of stone into one of flesh. Making you realize your need uh, for Jesus and the weight of your sin. If that is you, please, please put your hand up. I won't make you come to the front. But I'd like you to come and see me afterwards. We can talk and we can pray. Let's pray now. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die for us. To take uh, the death and the pain and the wrath that we deserve. I pray for any of those in this room now that are feeling that you are highlighting their sin to them and that they are in need of a saviour that you are the only one who can do that for them. And even if they feel embarrassed to put their hands up or come and come to the front, that you would give them the courage and confidence to come and speak to one of us today. Thank you for your son. And please be with us in your spirit as we go from this place today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Kevin, could we?